You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. Today we are starting a new series called Greater Things, Greater Things. And that this series is about receiving and engaging the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that all of us have been given a gift uh, to edify the body of Christ. Uh, We all have been given a gift uh, to minister into the community as well. Uh, Logan has very adequately read the scripture, so I don't have to read it again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Amen. There was an article uh, written in Christianity Today, I think around 1990, 1991, written by Bruce Larson. And in that article, Bruce Larson makes this statement, a priest is a channel of forgiveness. Grace, mercy, healing. A priest provides pastoral care. This is what God has called every believer to do and to be. The first step then is in helping people move into ministry is to remind them of that, to tell them that you are priests. But many of you who may not, some of you who may not know who Bruce Larson is, uh, he is, he was the great pastor of this church from 1980 to 1990. And one of the things that Bruce Larson was known for was saying that every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. And after seven months here as the pastor of discipleship, I have come to realize that that is in the DNA of University Presbyterian Church. That there are many of you who live out that mantra, that every member is a minister. And so I'm just here today just to remind you of that. Somebody somebody may be suffering from a case of spiritual amnesia And every now and then, we we must be reminded of who we are in Christ. Every member is a minister. Now, in this particular passage of Scripture that that has been read today, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I want to give you just a little bit of context because I think it's important that as we Uh, embark on this new series, that the reason we're able to do greater things is because we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The reason we're able to do greater things is because we are intricately connected to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are better together. Uh, That we're able to do greater things not in isolation, but we are able to do greater things in the context of the community of faith. 
Peter says in this verse, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Therefore, statements that are made here in reference to our title today that every member is a minister and this statement did not originate with Peter, but it was written by Moses in Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And so there is a lot of continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Peter's mind is saturated in the Old Testament. And so as he writes this letter to a dispersed group of Christians, he wants to encourage them while they are under persecution to remind them of who they are and whose they are in Jesus Christ. And so Peter reminds them of Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. But he also reminds them uh, in the context of this passage that, that the church has a relationship that the minister has a relationship to the word in verses 1 through 3. And also that the minister and the church has a relationship to God in verses 4 through 5. But also that the church and the minister has a relationship to itself. Uh, We're not going to talk about those in verses 1 through 5. We're going to zero in on verse 9. But I think it's important that we get the context that the church, even in verse 9, in relationship to the world, that we have a relationship, an obligation to the world, and every minister has an obligation to the world. The statement that Peter makes as it relates to the Old Testament and what he's saying to the early Christians of his day, Peter is basically telling us that we have been called to be priests. We have been called to be priests. Now, that word priest is an interesting word. When you look at it in Latin, uh, the Latin word for priest is pontifex, pontifex. And that word pontifex, pont, means uh, bridge, and fex means make. Uh, Pontifex, a bridge maker, a bridge builder. And so the priest uh, in that understanding is called to be a bridge maker, a bridge builder. So I want us to think of ourselves today as bridge builders. I want us to think of ourselves as bridge makers because that's exactly what the priest was called to do, that he was a mediator between the people and God. Uh, Those who felt like they were disconnected to God, it was the responsibility of the priest to make sure that the people of God, the children of Israel in the Old Testament, were connected to God. But then in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6, Moses tells the people that you are a holy nation. 
that you are a royal priesthood. One translation says that you are a king, kingly priest. Uh, the, 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 the connection there implies that they have a sense of royalty about them, but they also have a sense of sanctity about them. But what we discover, what we discover in Exodus chapter 19 and and as we move through the Old Testament is that the children of Israel did not totally live up to their calling. And in many ways they failed because they were called to be a royal priesthood to the nations around them. They were called to represent Christ or to represent God uh, to the nations around them. And in many ways, they failed in their calling and what God had called them to do. Warren Wearsby raises this question. He says, they failed. Uh, Are we failing today in being a royal priesthood? Are we failing in our calling uh, to represent Christ to our neighborhoods, to represent Christ to the community, to represent Christ to the world? Are we failing in that? I think in some ways we are, in some ways we're not. But let's, let's look at, let's unpackage this, this statement because we, we are called to be bridge builders. We're called to be bridge builders. John Stott put it this way. He says the church has a double identity in the world. The church has a double identity in the world. In other words, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we, that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And that we have a, a double identity that we are called out of the world to worship to express our holiness. When we gather here every Sunday morning, we gather to worship. We gather to worship. John Stott argues that the church ultimately is not called to evangelism. He says we are called to worship. And it is the worship that brings about Evangelism. It is our worship of God, us lifting Jesus up that draws men and women to himself. And so the, the first priority of the church is first and foremost to worship God in the beauty of his holiness. And so John Stott says we, we have a, a double identity. We are called out of the world to worship, to express our holiness, we gather to worship. And then he says, we are also called to go back into the world to express our mission. We scatter to witness. We gather to worship. We scatter to witness. In many ways, brothers and sisters, when we gather here every Sunday morning, it's like in football, they have a, what you call a huddle. You know, in the huddle, the, the, the quarterback discusses the play uh, with, with the players, and they gather in a circle. And at some point, you got to break the huddle. You can't stay in the huddle. You got to break the huddle. You got to get on the line, and you have to run your respective part in the play. And I think sometimes at the church, we, we huddle too long. Uh, 
Amen, somebody. Uh, when we gather here uh, to worship every Sunday morning, we, we gather and we huddle and we discuss the playbook. We discuss what's in the word of God and then we break the huddle and we run the play in our respective lives. We run the play on our jobs. We run the play in our homes. We run the, the play in our neighborhoods. We run the play wherever God has called us in our respective lives. One of the things I noticed, one of the things I noticed when I, when I read through the gospels of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that Jesus spent probably about 99% of his time in the community. And probably about 1% of his time in the church. And it, it seems to me that we have our priorities out of order. We tend to spend almost 99% of our time in the church and only 1% of our time in the community. We've got to reverse that. If we're really going to model the life of Christ, we've got to reverse that and make our presence known in the communities in which we live and which we serve. We've got to turn it around. If we're really going to be like Jesus, we, we've got to turn that around. It, it seems as though we are so uh, enamored with uh, church work rather than the work of the church. And so we, we gather to worship, we gather to huddle, but we scatter to witness, to witness. So we are called to go back into the world to express our mission and to scatter to witness. But what a privilege it is to be called priests. And that, that, that word priest, like I said, it's, it's described as a bridge builder, but it also helps us understand that we all have access to God. That we all have access to God. That we all, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, uh, uh, that we all can get a prayer through. We all have a work to do. We all, uh, we're all ministers of God's grace. And what a humbling thought. What a humbling privilege. I like the way John Calvin puts it. He says, there's further at as to these benefits, a contrast between us and the rest of mankind to be considered. And hence it appears more fully and incomparable to God's goodness towards me and towards us. For he sanctifies us who are by nature polluted. He chose us when we could find, when he could find nothing in us but filth and vileness. He makes his peculiar possession from worthless dregs to confer the honor of the priesthood on the profane. Now, Calvin said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but it, it should give us a profound sense of humility that God has bestowed on us the calling of priests, the calling of bridge builders. God has bestowed on us this, this wonderful privilege that we are a holy nation, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are all ministers 
and that God has given each and every one of us a gift in which to edify the body of Christ, but also to use that gift beyond the four walls of the church and to minister in our neighborhoods, to minister in our communities, to minister on our jobs. One of the things that we see here in this text, and I I, I believe that Peter being the kind of man he was before his conversion, that Peter had a rugged individualism about him, uh, that Peter had more confidence in himself than he, than he had in Christ. And so for Peter to, to write this letter tells me that he is a broken man, that he understands how desperately he needs Jesus Christ. But not only that, that Peter understands how desperately the church needs Jesus. So Peter, as he explains to us the the importance of, of who we are, that we are a royal priesthood, it also goes against the grain of individualism in our society. Because this statement that we are royal priesthood implies that as ministers, that every member is a minister, that we minister in the context of community. That we minister, that we're more powerful together when the church comes together, when we minister in the context of community, when we minister to one another, and when we minister and build up one another, we're able to minister more powerfully in the community. It also implies, brothers and sisters, what John Stott calls the, the one another passages of the Bible that we'll call to minister first and foremost to one another. That we're called to minister first and foremost within the context of the community of faith. We're called to build one another up. And so Peter understands this very well. He understands the, 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 the role and the nature of this calling is a communal calling. That we all need one another, that you have a gift that I desperately need. And that I have a gift that you desperately need and that we're all better together. And Jesus says to us in John 17, he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. And he says, by this will the world know that you are my disciples. That we, when we show that affection and that intimacy and that sense of community, that when we truly love one another, that it becomes a testimony to the world we live in. One writer says that Christians sometimes speak of the, the priesthood of all believers. And this priesthood of all believers implies, and that's a staple in our in our understanding of the church, that the church is a priesthood of all believers. But this concept comes from the Old Testament. The priest acted as an intermediary between God and sinful human beings. And with Christ's victory on the cross, the pattern changed. He says, now we can 
come directly into God's presence without fear. And we are to give this responsibility, we have this responsibility of bringing others to him into the community of faith. So we're called, we're called to be priests, we're called to be bridge builders, and the question comes today, have you built any bridges lately? The question comes today, we, we live in a society uh, we live in, in, in fear right now, and many of us live in a context of fear, and God is calling us to be bridge builders, to be bridge makers. Uh, we live in a society that is building more walls than building bridges. And God has called us, brothers and sisters, to, to be bridge builders. We're called to build bridges of God's grace. The question comes, are you a grace giver or are you a grace killer? As Chuck Swindoll points out in his book, Grace Awakening, God has called us to be grace givers. Have you extended grace to anybody lately? Have you extended grace? Have you withheld grace to someone? And God says, I, I expect you to extend grace to someone. Because God has called us to be grace givers and not grace killers. Uh, we're called not only to be build bridges of God's grace, but we're called to build bridges of God's mercy. Uh, we're called to be practitioners of God's mercy. Have you extended mercy to anybody recently? Have you extended any mercy to anybody recently? And we, we have to ask ourselves that question because as Peter says that at one time we, we lack mercy, that God extended his mercy to us and God extended his grace to us and he expects us to be grace givers and to extend mercy to others. Not only are we called to build bridges of God's mercy, but we're called to build bridges of healing. We're called to, to connect the wounded to the great physician. Every day we walk by people who are wounded emotionally. Every day we work beside people who are wounded. Every day we, uh, we visit people who are wounded. We, we have contact with people who are wounded. And God has called us to be ministers of healing. Like that old adage that says that hurt people hurt people. But I would venture to say today that heal people, heal people. And the church is a healing community. And we're called to be agents of healing. We're called to be practitioners of healing and to bridge the gap between those who are wounded in society, those who may be contemplating suicide, those who have been abused, those who, who have been disenfranchised, those who have been left out. Uh, we, we are called to build bridges of healing to those who are wounded and to connect them 
to the great physician. You know, brothers and sisters, God has called us to be practitioners. He's called us to be ministers. And not everybody can stand in front of the church and preach and be in this pulpit, but God has given you a pulpit. He's given you a pulpit on your job. God has given you a pulpit in your community. God has given you a a pulpit in your neighborhood. God has given you a pulpit in your classroom. And wherever God has placed you, he has called you to be a bridge builder. To connect those who are lost to this in this world to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are too many walls in our society today. And if there's any place that is called to build bridges, it's the church. There was a story told about a little boy who had fallen in, in a well, in this deep well, and he was screaming for help, asking, is there anybody up there? And there was a, a lawyer who heard the boy crying. The lawyer looked down into the well and said, are you all right down there? He said, I'll be better if you can get me out of here. The lawyer went back to his car and got a rope and he, he took the rope and let the rope down in the well, but it was too short. Then there was a doctor who came by. There any doctors in the house? And the little boy said, I need someone to get me out of here. And the doctor went back to the car and he got his rope and he let the rope down in, in the well and his rope was too short. And then there was a preacher that came by. <laughs> the preacher went back to his car and he got his rope and he let the rope down and his rope was too short. And, and the lawyer and the doctor and the preacher were perplexed. They didn't know how they were going to get him out of the, out of the well. And the little boy said, hey, fellas, I got an idea. Why don't you tie your ropes together and get me out of this well? And it was at that point that little boy understood that it's in tying our ropes together that we're able to help those who are disenfranchised. We're able to get them out of the well of poverty. We are able to get them out of the well of homelessness. If we as a church tie our ropes together, we are better together and we can make a difference. We can make an impact if we just stop holding on to our rope and begin to tie our ropes together. Amen. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He made it possible for us to tie our ropes together. We were separated from one another, and Jesus made it possible for us to tie our ropes together. And that's why we're able to do greater things, because we are better together. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the awesome privilege of being ministers 
that every one of us have been gifted to minister in the community of faith, but also to minister in the world. And Father God, may we tie our ropes together as brothers and sisters in Christ, not just to make a difference, but to make an impact. Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org.